Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and our special guest, Jerry Smith of CHC Global. And this week, we're discussing grey rhinos. Nick, what's a grey rhino? Well... Uh, as you know, the COVID inquiry is up and running. Um, people giving evidence about, you know, the government's preparedness, or dare we say, lack thereof. Mm. And uh, Dominic Cummings, always an entertaining um, witness, <laughs> quoted Tolstoy from War and Peace. Napoleon's army is approaching yeah. Moscow. And uh, in, in the, the uh, Tolstoy writes, nothing was ready for the war that everyone expected, which is a brilliant line. He quoted that as, an, as a sort of example of what's going on, uh, what, what was going on with the pre-COVID, you know, that we, we all saw it coming and nobody acted and nobody did anything about yeah. it. Well, it turns out this thing has a name. Oh. Um, Grey Rhino. And who better to come and discuss that than Jerry Smith, a man who lives and breathes catastrophic risk? He is, you, there's no one I trust more. Okay. So, Well, that's very kind. So grey rhinos, um, it was a, a phrase that we uh, at CHC, we, we thought we'd coined several years ago when we were writing a paper just after COVID or the first sets of, of, of lockdown with COVID. And lo and behold, when I Googled it, it found out that actually uh, an American academic, uh, a lady called Michelle Walker, had actually uh, coined the phrase several years earlier and written a book about it. Awesome. Hmm. Um, so do, do you think it, this quote, was entirely coincidental or had you perhaps read it and then it had no, buried a I bit certainly hadn't, away? I hadn't, I hadn't read it, no. But um, it was, yeah, it was, it was entirely coincidental, which is sort of slightly amusing and, and, and a bit weird, really. But her, her definition of a grey rhino risk is it's obvious, it's probable, and it's impactful. So it's that high probability high consequence and nobody actually wants to do anything about it and there we might get into a, a sort of some of the reasoning of why people um don't consider these uh, or don't consider even though it's very high on the risk register and something that you would want to think you would be all over mm. but actually then you're actually not doing anything about it yeah, yeah. Um, I, it feels and it, this feels like a thing it yeah. really does feel yeah. like a thing. I, I, to I added a slight modification on that definition as well that it's also well defined. You can see it and you can <laughs> yeah. draw a line around it. You know how big it's going to be mm. to with quite good accuracy. Unlike a black swan, which you you don't know what a black swan is until it happens. Well, I yeah. mean, yes, we probably ought to say uh, for anyone who's wondering that the reason it's called a grey rhino is almost as the opposite of a black swan. Yeah, Jerry, what's what are you? What, what's well, the what's what? Do we all? Do, do you? Do, I mean, I know all of our listeners are going to know what a black. Swan I know is. what a black swan is. Don't you worry yeah. about that. Um, but um, I, I still want. Why are you sitting around thinking about um, grey rhinos and black swans? Um, I still. I just need a bit of background. I mean, why are you thinking about this stuff? Well, well, in the uh, in the in the risk area that we we work in, it's we we are in the malicious space, which if you remember from last time, is uh, essentially you know bad people doing bad things. So it's the it's the deliberate. Um, in high impact uh, bad things that people might choose to do, whether they be from a country or a non-state actor, a terrorist. Or and you're in the insurance world, and right? And we, we're in the insurance world. Exactly. So it's about looking those. It's about looking at those 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 probable um, catastrophic scenarios. And so what this sort of generated my interest, our interest in these in these types of risks. And just for for, for clarity, black swans are those unknown unknowns, and actually quite 
quite frequently um, misidentified as as uh, or, or grey rhinos are misidentified as black swan. So there's plenty of people who said that well, COVID nineteen that was a that was a black swan event. No one well, it wasn't that coming. Well, it did. <laughs> so so I, I did a bit of homework on the University of California, and since uh, BC fifteen hundred, which is about three three thousand two hundred odd years ago, there have been two hundred and forty nine recorded pandemics, which turns out. At, Essentially, one every thirteen years. Yeah. So oh, actually, that, that oddly uh, probably about the same as what's been happening, you know, in the last. And how, how many of those are real biggins, though? Is that... Oh well, um, the 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 Black Death goes for it. I mean, that's when the best part of a quarter of the population of Europe went. Um, and well, and but also the Spanish flu of of, of uh, 1919, 1920, which actually didn't originate in Spain. Something that might have been some. Uh, some dark arts and back to Mr. Cummings predecessor um, <laughs> coming up with the names because I think it was sourced in Central America or maybe North America but anyway that was a very impactful one interesting how that one is not high on the old history books probably because everyone was still it was the post-World War One kind of shock lots mm. of men folk dead anyway lots mm. of injured uh, but yeah an awful impact what? That is a good point. In fact, I heard a, um, I'm afraid, I can't remember who it was, but it was a someone, uh, I th oh no, I think it might have been Chris. Who's the, the chap who was um, the COVID, uh, he was head of SAGE. Chris uh, Whitty. Uh, Whitty. I think I, I heard him interviewed the other day. I think it was him. And he said, uh, so, you know, I was sitting there going, look, 100,000 people are going to die of this thing. Um, and the reaction was more or less, oh, well, uh, it sucks to be them then. Whereas if he'd have said, he said, well, if I if I said, look, there's going to be a terrorist attack and 100,000 people are going to die, they'd it would be an absolute, you know, complete reversal of that. You'd, they'd have shut everything down, you know. And it, if you look at how many people died of COVID in the US, it's uh, getting on for a, a million, I think. It's not far off. And, you know, you think, well, that's more. That's certainly more than 9-11. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, a, it's more than it died in Vietnam. It's more, significantly more, I think, the number of U.S. person who died in World War Two. Um, you know, it's like more than all the wars put together in about three or four years. Um, and is it treated like that? No. Why? Is it because because we see it coming? Is it what is the going on there? I don't know. So, Jerry, question. The, the COVID pandemic, was that a grey rhino? I think, uh, I think it probably was, yeah. I mean, you look at the UK National Risk Register for, for 2020 and pandemic is right on the, the top right-hand side. So it's a high-impact, high-frequency event that, 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 um, that should be up there. Uh, and yet, there was, I mean, the cynics might say that it was the wrong kind of pandemic. Uh, but if you look up the definitions of pandemic or what it might be. Were there claims and payouts? Say again? Were there claims well, and payouts? Well, in the insurance sector, there was a number of companies that had pandemic insurance, which essentially is around uh, inability to operate because of a, uh, a sort of an, a, a health, a health care or a, a national health issue, uh, which means lots of people are unable to go to work. So it's a business interruption. Now, famously or notably, Wimbledon actually had the pandemic uh, insurance. So when when Wimbledon was cancelled or stopped for or reduced during these during those years, which seems a long time ago, it's only a few now, uh, they actually were able to trigger it. But a number of companies um, all, all, uh, also attempted to trigger their insurance. And in fact, the insurance companies pushed back and said, well, the wording says we talked about it being X number of miles away from the source. And, and it, it was this. This is not 
this is not how we thought pandemic was. But in fact, it went to court and and was found in favour of the, the the people that held the insurance against the insurers. Essentially, their wording wasn't as good as it should have been. Oh, we didn't mean that brain. kind of pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so, so uh, yeah. I, I mean, well, they've got to put that's their job. They've got to push it. I know. Oh, yeah, I know. We do want to move to theory, but uh, just sticking with pandemic. I, I, and mm. I think there's something about the nature of of uh, the grey rhino is a kind of risk which everyone can see and sees coming. I think the interesting thing is when we don't do something about it. Um, but I, I do want to, I'm not sure, it's not clear to me that um, there was a great deal we could do. The COVID inquiry will give us the answer. But but if you look at, for example, you know, healthcare spending, that is not really correlated with um, deaths from COVID. Um, it's actually quite weird how different the uh, death rate from COVID is. And it's not that easily explained by stuff. It, it, a lot of it is demographic. It's like, you know, um, cities and openness and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm not sure, because uh, you remember when they built the, uh, was it the Florence Nightingale Centre with all the ventilators mm. and stuff? Uh, you know, the thing, the point the point was, you know, actually the, the nature of the... Um, Viruses' effects were such that ventilation turned out to be positively harmful. So if we'd have spent even more on loads of ventilators before the thing turned up, then we we might not have. It might all have been totally wasted money. And so I, I, I mean that that I suppose touches on something about the response. Like it's not always the case that you should do something. And and I guess uh, I don't know. Jerry could probably shed more light on this, but insurance is more or less saying, well, we can't really do anything about it. Well, I just wanted to cover off something you you, you said there, and, and it's a, again it's back to this sort of the the wrong rather flippantly it's me saying it's the wrong wrong time of pandemic, uh, and it plays a bit to your point around um, uh, Peter around your uh, the kind of bounded problem, and, and really the issue is that it, it, the treatment of uh, influenza virus as opposed to a coronavirus is that you, you place a kind of different priority on it. And, and the expectation was that actually the, the, the influenza virus was going to be the far more likely. Yeah. And therefore your focus was on that. So yeah. actually it, it's quite trite to say that, well, it, wrong sort of pandemic. There are some, some critical differences between the different types of viruses, how they behave and how the treatment. And particularly around, and this I think this is the psychological element into it, which we, we haven't really touched on, is the fact that how... Um, for example, I think it's started to come out and inquire already that the government was terrified about telling people to lock down. I mean, this is a fundamental freedom of movement. Now, if you look at that from, say, for example, the rules that went into Southeast Asia, and I, I mean beyond China, into some, the democracies in, in Southeast Asia, they'd experienced some, some, some pandemics, some SARS, mm. um, several, you know, in living memory, and their, their self-policing and behaviour around isolation it was was far superior to ours. So they just it was like oh this again. Yeah, yeah. Back we'll in, we'll back go for to, it. Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, yeah. Sorry, go. On. So look, is what we're talking about here perception? Because are we talking about hey, why do people think grey rhinos are, are black swans when actually, if you really think about it, they actually are grey rhinos, as the people of Southeast Asia understood because of experience. Is that our question? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's well. Okay, let's. I'll reframe your free, reframing. Go on. I think what we're saying is why do people pretend? pretend that grey rhinos are black swans or at least why do we tell that story when you know everyone could yeah. see it coming and I, I think there is a 
there is a little bit of a you know distinction perhaps between something which is frequent but always frequent like like you know when the next pandemic is going to happen we can say you know the probability that is going to happen in the next 10 years which is quite high um you know uh, but but it, but there isn't actually one there so it's it's more like uh, standing in front of a a jungle where lots of grey rhinos live, which feels quite different to me than when one is actually charging towards you, which mm. arguably was where we were in late 2019. Um, at, but even then, I, I think, you know, well, let's say that I think the categories of, of type of action you should take might be different, like the way it's optimal to behave it is might be different. But I think what we want to talk about is why we don't. Why, why, why is it that when there's a rhino, what stops us doing the right thing when there's an actual grey rhino walking towards... By the way, hippos are more dangerous than rhinos. I think they're faster as well, aren't they? I, so grey hippo. Uh, <laughs> We've just but, got another one. That, yeah. does, that doesn't help with the very neat four by four that I've thought about. But no, but I mean, what, what, you know, what, what stops us from uh, acting? Well, I think it's it, it's this is probably more fundamentally into psychology and and yeah. sort of mm. human behaviour, and the perceptions of risk. Now, part of that is knowledge. So, if you if you were to speak speak to somebody pre-pandemic and talk about the waves that you have in a pandemic, the infection waves, I think most people quite reasonably would not really have an idea of what you meant. But now, of course, after here we sit uh, a few years after a, uh, a pandemic and we've watched the television and we've watched those graphs and those waves up and down of infection rates rising and then falling and rising and falling. That is an example of something that we wouldn't have known about. Most of us yeah. wouldn't have known about before. So I think it's actually almost beheld to the specialists that we rely on, whether that's the government and their advisors, to the, to have this knowledge and understanding and awareness. Hmm. Um, and... and I mean, communicating risk is such a challenge and communicating challenging risks is even more difficult. And I think when when life is is bounded by 200 and whatever character tweets, yeah. it, it, I, complexity I, is a challenge. And I, think in, I think at a national government level and at big corporation level, generally risk is pretty well managed and well understood in the sense that it, what pandemic was top of the risk register, uh, national risk register, um, before the pandemic... What where it breaks down is is the willingness of the policymakers to do something about it, because that is driven by the short termism, the money, which is in turn in politics is in turn driven by the the, the public perception, which is driven by things like media, because uh, media is driven by profit. Right? Well, what's selling this week? And if we're still selling newspapers about pandemic cock ups or or, new, or what we're doing about the next one, we're going to miss we're going to miss a nuclear war that's going to happen next week because we you know we're concentrating on the last battle. So that's that's really I think fundamentally what it is. It's this sort of short termism, yeah. this normalcy bias that's at an organisational level. Well, I, but I want to defend and, that. And also, so it's short termism, uh, money, and a kind of general sense of it'll probably be all right. It'll probably be okay. Well, I know, but let's try and look at those things in detail because okay. I think that what you've that that is a good I think summary of like the attitude that mm. we perhaps all had in late 2019, for example. I, I think that's probably not a fair summary, but um, I uh, so I think 
I think to one to some extent that there are rational reasons not to act, and it might be because that's true. Because it might be that it will be all okay. Like the risk isn't high enough yet, could be a reason, or it's just far too expensive to do something about it. You know, if the mitigation is just going to be ridiculously uh, expensive compared to the size of the risk, you know, or if the risk isn't too bad, like maybe it's not too bad to be hit by a rhino. But the, the 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 issue probably is in about is about the quantification side of this, and it's like someone says, look, there's going to be a pandemic, and we're all there. Late twenty nineteen, it's going to be a pandemic. Hundred thousand people are going to die, and you think, well, you know, okay, maybe right, but what if? What if this is just like the Y2K bug? Mm. What if this is just like the H1N1 virus yeah. or the acid rain yeah. or the population bomb from the 60s? You know, whereas now, of course, it's the fertility crisis. It's like, look, you know, we scare, big scary things are always, you know, looming and, and sometimes they don't happen. So, like, why should we go and spend a significant portion of our stretched health budget on pandemic preparation when this could just be a, you know, blow over? So I just, I'm just, I kind of want to defend that a bit. Jerry, what are you doing to help communicate risk more accurately? (laughs) Oh, uh, being on this podcast. Yeah, thank you. uh, Thank you for placing that national, or perhaps international responsibility on my shoulders. (laughs) If only my salary reflected that. Uh, Well, it is, it is down to communication, but I think there's two elements to that. It's the, it's the, I, I, I used to work at a government um, research place, a defence research place um, at Porton, and I used to jokingly say that I could speak scientist, which is a language. <laughs> um, and I, because I'm not a scientist myself, uh, and so I would, I would sort of say that the, the, the challenge is that the, the technical and nuanced issues of how you manage these complex risks, whatever they might be, um, biological or otherwise, and it's how you then communicate that to, to both decision makers and communicators. And of course, decision makers, mm. particularly politicians, um, have a whole communication issue and support anyway. But but actually, the, the sort of the professional communicators and that sort of value chain of, of what, what that deep scientific understanding is, all the way to what a government website might put out or a tweet I mean that that difference is huge, and and it has to be interpreted. And there are so many permutations. So I'm afraid I can't quite solve that global problem yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, and I think you t- and I think you touched on it earlier when you said, you know, we we've all been through a pandemic now, so we're going to listen when someone says oh, there was a pandemic. We'll pay a lot more attention to this pneumonia outbreak in China than we would have done, you know, ten years ago. Um, but but so so yeah, uh, I think one experience trumps. A load of expertise. I mean, and that, and that's you know uh, that works both ways. A lack of experience, e.g., where we were in 2018, trumps any amount of me telling you this terrifying thing is going to happen. You're you're you know you're like, well, I've, that's never happened to me. Uh, that is a very powerful uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing to be able to uh, to uh, you know to circumvent. I think. Uh, not only that, but I think it's as I said, I think it's fair to have a bit of skepticism. But, you know, about about the the risks uh, the what you're being told by experts, because they, they can be wrong. But also, like, it's it, it's very difficult to, for politicians to defend spending on things that ha- that don't happen. I think now if you said we're going to spend a 
a billion pounds on pandemic preparation. No problem. Uh, we laughed through Parliament. But, you know, you look at things like the Hurricane Irene evacuations, and then it was a bit of a kind of, you know, mm. damp squib. A huge criticism of all of the disruption. Um, you know, you've got the, the, remember the London Olympics counter-terror preparations. I think we put anti-aircraft missiles in Battersea Park or something. Um, you know, that looks hilarious now, but it wouldn't have been if something had happened. And, you know, then you or you look at all the kind of money we spent on, you know, new preparations for nuclear war and stuff. And it, those things were not popular. Mm, yeah. You could, I'm sure, make a case that they were all worthwhile. They were all worth it for the risk that yeah, you're but you could make a, but you could you could you could expose your audit trail, your analysis, which led you to that decision. The voters if, don't care. I know, but <laughs> but this the 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 Illuminati would, and that's what but, matters. Yeah, but that's you're going right. to go. Hang on, you're telling me that you know my granny died because you didn't have a bed for her, but you've got an entire warehouse full of masks. Mm. Like, why didn't you just buy another bed for my granny? But doesn't this that's go back to... Say. Yeah, that's, and that's what the media will pick up on. And yeah. So doesn't this go back to an accurate um, analysis of, of, uh, of priorities, right? Um, versus, uh, uh, coupled with um, the communications people and making sure that they're communicating it correctly, which is to answer your point a little bit, Peter, about you know, mm. making sure people understand. That's quite a big thing. Um, but three, because isn't it connected to, isn't it the similar, what's the difference between you've got your house insurance in place, your building insurance, let's say, and then, um, you know, 10 years from now you move house and your house didn't fall down and you, you, you don't sort of hopefully go away and go, well, that was a bloody waste of money, that insurance that I spent on my house, on my buildings thing. That's just, that's the deal, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And you don't actually want to use it. And is this the same? Because I think it's it just, is the same. I think yeah, people, and it's just a question people, of scale and perception. It's, probability and sort of probabilistic thinking is, is hard. Mm. It takes a lot of practice. And we're not, and we don't sort of, we do it naturally, intuitively to an extent, but we do it, we're very bored doing it kind of deliberately. Um, and then we're not sort of, it's, we're not really taught it as a sort of natural, as a sort of basic fundamental skill uh in 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 our kind of western education you kind of learn it when you're when you're when you're doing you know probabilistic analysis like we do very yeah. deliberately or you do lots of betting and gambling you get a sense for, you probably develop your heuristics for it or you do if you're in business and you're trading off lots of different things you're understanding risk and how uh, different types of risk and how they apply to your decisions and you're getting direct feedback you probably develop heuristics for, for it, but I think by and large, people don't have exactly. So, left alone, we're really bad at it. So well, need Jerry, analysts. is there a large number of gamblers in the insurance industry? Uh, if this podcast was just amongst the four of us, I might have a different <laughs> answer. What it is, I, I mean, that essentially is is whether you're a bookie at the racetrack or you're an insurance specialist, you, that is it, it's yeah, about yeah. frequency. And severity, yeah. uh, and and that's what you're just or, or frequency and success. If in the case of your, your your booking, where do we want? Which direction do we want to go in this? We're giving it a good working over, but Jerry, can you lead us? Tell, tell I mean, well, well there's, there's so I think one thing that might be interesting is that the uh, I'm, I'm a big two by two fan. Uh, you know the old do quad, it. the quad thing. So, so are we. Yeah, you're in the right <laughs> place. In fact, if if you were to do like fans of two by two. 
on this side of the room and then we've got you know people who trust uh, diagrams yeah. on this side of the room yeah. so yeah. yeah you're in that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, well, yeah. And being four of us that, <laughs> yeah. that that's ideal that yeah, fits right, well right. yeah that's right so it's all around uh, and it's back to and I think we said this in the previous podcast is it's back to the Rumsfeld stuff of the known knowns and the known unknowns and the unknown knowns and the unknown unknowns and, and if you yeah. look at that kind of quartering by the it's the sort of known unknowns of the of the of the is the gray rhino one so it, we know it's going to happen and um but we we for some reason don't it, it's we don't quite know why we're not going to respond to that yeah. or we're going to we're, we're going to manage it in a, in, in exactly a challenging way no it, no it, yeah that's the problem yeah this is a I, bit like, but that's the grey rhino. I'm so sorry. Can I just? Yeah, go for it. it. Was sorry. The, so the so the known knowns sometimes perhaps the elephant in the room. Yeah, and we could sense. throw that with the yeah, white like elephant. That. Yeah. That's pushing it a bit <laughs> in colours, but yeah. run with it. And then you've got if you've got the grey rhino then as your known unknown, and then there's another one that I've come across as well called the black jellyfish. Have we heard of this one? Ooh, no, yeah. but I now know the I black want one. the black jellyfish. Well, they they firstly they are a thing. They are an animal, but they've been characterised as an unknown known. So what we're talking about there is that black felly jellyfish um, do exist. I don't quite know where. Uh, uh, and they are, um, but what's interesting is that there's, there's been a number of swarms of these. So you get these swarms, which is an, is, is an unusual phenomenon. So individually, black jellyfish are known of, but when you get the swarm of them. So this is around essentially a risk where uh, people know it's going to happen, but what they don't know is actually what it's going, what the consequence, what the, the scale right. of the effect might be. I think be. when it's jellyfish, gotcha. it's called a bloom. Oh, there we go. Uh, not a swarm. Not a swarm. No, okay, fair enough. And then, and then the last one would be the with the black swan, which yeah. is the one we're yeah. I, we're I talked have, about. I I actually wonder if what we what we're talking about with the grey rhino would be better thought of actually as an unknown known. I know, I know that seems like an odd, or let's say a kind of you've got the thing you're going to respond to, and the thing you're not going to respond to, and the thing you should respond to. And the thing you shouldn't respond to. I, th I feel like there we've got a, a kind of, it, it's a bit less philosophically demanding. Mm. But like the, it, it feels to me that there is something like uh, when someone goes, hey, look, have you seen that rhino? You go, oh, yeah, fuck me. Um, and it was there all along, but you just weren't attending to it. You know, mm. and I, I feel like that's it. So it, it sort of does feel like that. That is kind of mm. like an unknown known to me. It's like, okay, when someone says, "Hang on a minute," and 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 I think there's an interesting difference in the kinds of. So I was thinking about the institutional side of this, and I think we've all worked in. Well, we us three have certainly worked in um, large uh, organisations. In our case, the MOD. In your case, the the military, and. Um, and, you know, we've seen uh, how decision making works up close there or doesn't work. And, um, you know, there's this kind of uh, this idea, it's a completely incorrect idea that the way that, um, you know, decisions work is senior people make decisions and then the lower down people carry them out. But that isn't really what happens. I mean, the, the Secretary of State for Defence doesn't know about 99% of the things that happen in the Ministry of Defence. They all just happen for themselves. And um, it feels that to me like... True the previous one but the current one doesn't know about 99.99 percent <laughs> um and uh but so i but but it is it's also true that organizations have this kind of inertia and if they're looking at certain things then they you know then they they just keep looking at those things it's very hard for them to start looking at other things and to and to sort of you know move around 
and and be flexible. And it just it's sort of the problem with a, a black swan is that is no one's job to look at it. Is the problem with a grey rhino is that it's kind of everyone's job to look at it. So it's no, it's not your job. We're all kind of looking at it. And I just wondered if yeah. there's a sort of feature of this sort of diffusion of responsibility. Can you talk to some of what Nick's brought up there? Um, no, I, I, I'm just going to violently agree with him. I think actually that idea that that might be, when I, when I talked about the psychological almost block of, of why you don't deal with a grey rhino that you can see right in front of you. And it may mm. well be, firstly, I don't quite see it because I've got lots of other things I'm dealing with. And, and that's always the, that's always the, um, the, the kind of the human factors thing. I mean, going through a company risk register, believe it or not, my, uh, our company, we, we have pandemic in there. Uh, we had it mm. beforehand. And actually, we, we were reasonably well resilient to the to Well, the you'd pandemic. hope so. Yes. Well, that's true. Yeah. If we can't do it, then I don't, we flog our services to others. But the, but the second thing is, is it's, well, it's, always, it's sort of, it's someone else's job. Mm. Uh, or or, or it, it, there's no ownership of responsibility. And so you could talk a lot about the issue, the rhino that we're going to have to deal with, and we can talk conceptually. And then there's sort of a certain amount of, of implicit understanding. But the other piece is, is it may just fall into the all too difficult box. And in a company, yeah. with a company risk register, uh, you sort of say, well, yeah, pandemic's out there, but that's never going to happen. Well, yeah. It's priorities now. We've got what? Yeah. yeah. What are we? Okay. What's yeah? Um, Peter. Um, so, I mean, so I think that brings us on nicely a little bit to what can we do to improve the way that policy is set up to respond to and deal with grey rhinos. Um, so the, yeah, you mentioned sort of coordination and um, cooperation around. When I looked up at a list of. Um, black swans and grey rhinos. A lot of the grey rhinos that are, seem to be obvious problems that we're going to have to do, get grips with are bigger than a single state, certainly bigger than any one company, much bigger than Europe, and they're global things. They're things yeah. like climate change and s s uh, phosphorus shortages and uh, ageing global population and all this sort of stuff. Um, and there's just in no one's kind of immediate selfish interest to, to get get a grip of it. They've, there's too many vested interests in other things which take higher low uh, higher sort of uh, proximate uh, higher um, well they're, they're priority. more they're more uh, salient more salient yeah, yeah more salient. there you go it's a bit of a tragedy of commonums about this and we is this, we're, we're sort of yeah, talking about that a, a bit, bit right yeah. yeah i think that yeah something a bit like it, that it always runs onto the thing of well why why should i bother to change to an electric vehicle when there's every x number of months and a new coal fired power station is happening in in china my little bit is not going to is mm. sort of affect anything so i know it's a really big thing and, and i'm glad you brought the climate change thing up i was going to bring it up at the end is this sort of there is there is a grey rhino that is lumbering towards us and it's possibly the largest one <laughs> well it is the largest one well actually that sort of preempts i was going to you know have a question at the end which is well what are the these great big gray rhinos that you know none of us are thinking about and and again as and peter yeah. was talking about climate change because it's a difficult one because you've got climate change the thing itself and then you've got all the different risks that can stem from that so how do you start yeah. going investigating and talking about that um well i i, I mean i thought that i was going to leave it to the end I've got a list of black swans but, uh, and grey rhinos, about eight of each. But is it possible? Isn't the nature of black swans that you can't have a list of them? Well, they're previous I, I, ones. They're pre oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, so, so the list of 
uh, Black Swan events. Uh, this is a, t- this is a typical list of give me give me Black Swan events, Google or ChatGPT. Yeah. Are they really Black Swan events? Mm. Or, are, or are they things that somebody somewhere, or probably quite a lot of people, were saying this is quite likely and increasingly likely, and they just weren't being listened to, or uh, they didn't have enough resources to do anything about it? So, 9/11 terrorist attack. I'd say there are lots of analysts saying that the Islamic threat is growing and our borders are pretty porous and it's all a bit and worrying. There was a attack on the World Trade Center in 1993 yep. for crying out yeah. loud. Yeah. Uh, so. Ch- Chernobyl, nuclear disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, we we'd had them before and the Soviets certainly had a fairly good grip on nuclear technology and they were just mm. doing things on the cheap. Oh, I don't think time. we can say that a nuclear big nuclear disaster was some unheard of event. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Let's let's rattle through these. Uh, yeah. Global financial crisis, two thousand and eight. There's lots of there's lots of things indicating that it was going to happen. Mm. Just a case of when. The pandemic we covered. Um, uh, the Tang Shan earthquake, nineteen seventy six. We'd had lots of earthquakes before. Right. Mm. Is that cited as a black swan? Yeah. That's stupid. Uh, fall of the Soviet Union. Now this one possibly. Uh, from the Western perspective, because we d- couldn't see very well into it, but you know, anyone who knew anything about the Soviet Union was like, "This can't keep going on because it's mm. falling apart, it's literally falling apart." Yeah. And I think then, it's probably the speed that of everything about the fall of the Soviet mm. Union. Yeah, and then um, one that's possible that you could argue is because we had, didn't have any kind of precedent for it because many people didn't under, really understand the physics, but the Carrington event of eighteen fifty-nine. Mm. Um, uh, it was a big ge- it's a big geomagnetic storm that that caused uh, that short, shorted out all the telegraph wires and, and well, the basic communications that we had. Um, we had, didn't have any previous because we'd have had weathered those before and not noticed because we didn't have electronic systems. Um, but you know, if we got another one of those, we should expect it. I think, mm. and systems probably could be probably be more hardened against it than they actually are, and that sort of thing. Mm. But so when it happens, we'll we'll say it was a black swan. So yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't think there are such things as black swans. Is what I'm getting. Oh, at. okay. No, but yeah. are you, so it sounds like you're saying they don't exist at all, or actually, either your research method is flawed or your source is flawed. But I'm, but you're saying no. I'm saying they these, just I'm don't saying exist. No, on a sort of these these kind of global scale. They're just grey rhinos we didn't bother dealing with. Yes, I okay. mean I think so. So that which I think uh, perhaps before we get to the, our our nominated grey rhinos, I do want to just introduce. We've had Jerry's. Uh, Jerry's risk menagerie. Mm. I've got a little decision terrarium with some with some little decision. How, I wonder how long you've been it. working on that. Uh, they're not coloured though. They're just literally the names of animals. But the um, uh, there are three types of arthropod okay. that I think represent like categories of decision and might be helpful. Right when you have if you've got something that's quite well understood that where where you know you have a lot of information about it already and um, and it's you know relatively high risk. Then the thing to do is to uh, is is so relatively high risk compared to the cost of dealing with it. Deal with it, right? Then w- that is bed bugs. They're, those things are bed bugs. Things which you know are a problem and you should mitigate. You should deal with them. Yeah. Uh, then you've got uh, moths, right? Yeah. Those are things that are more expensive to deal with than they are to manage to fall out. Those are things that you just should manage. Right, mm-hmm. so moth problems, and I only say that because we looked at what you had to do to get rid of uh, clothes moths and just couldn't be bothered. We were like, we'll stick our clothes in bags, but we're not doing that. Mm. It's insane. 
bed bugs, mm. however, you get one bed bug, that's it. Burn the house down. Instant action. But then there's, so the final category is, and I think probably not attended to as much, um, is the category of things where you actually don't really have a lot of information. And I call, I, I call those spiders. Because you know when there's a spider over there on the wall, fine, if you can see it, mm. right? If you can see where the spider is, you're all right. But you've got to keep your eye on it because it might just crawl away somewhere and then you're in trouble because there's a rogue spider on the loose. So, so yeah, those... So what do you do about it? Monitor, okay. right? So that's where you should keep, an eye on keep it. your searchlight. So, and I, and I suppose going back to the kinds of risks we're talking about, you know... Um, even if a grey right, if a grey rhino is hurtling towards you, even if it doesn't can't quite tell what it is, the point is you should at least be looking. Should at at least it. monitor it. Monitor as it charges headlong towards right, you. Right, that's yeah. right. And and uh, so uh, so I mean I I think and I think you know you could make an argument that in late 2019 we were you know the 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 kinds of things we, we were dealing with it like it was a spider, but we should have been dealing with it like it was bed bugs, and um, uh, but there we are. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, before we move on to a, a, a concluding question, um, anything we've missed, Jerry? Anything you want to talk about? Yes, there are. There are a couple of things. I think covering off, um, firstly, Peter, your idea of black swans, I, I I don't disagree, actually. I think the issue is is almost the complexity of it. You have an infinite number of big risks and, and something like 9-11... You're absolutely right that there was information coming in that 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 the the US were being targeted, and there was other information from another agency that was coming in, uh, saying people had arrived. There was information about the fact that they'd gone to flight school. I think there was even information that that, that told them that they were interested in how to take off planes, but not necessarily how mm. to land them. Mm. So that all of those, but it's putting all those pieces together. Mm. So the, perhaps yeah. the 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 black swan is not those individual factors. It's the fact when you put it all together. Yeah. Um, so lack that, of that coordination. Um, yeah. Or a lack of imagination. But I mean, yeah. look at what yeah. they... Okay. So I mean, what did they do about it? Okay. You couldn't get into cockpits, for example. Total cockpit lockdown. Um, you wouldn't have been able to do that on the strength of any amount of intelligence that this, this was a prospect. I mean, this it's, so just, it's not... It has to happen. So that we go, oh, we better have locked cockpits. Yeah. Then the next thing you know, German wings, suicidal pilot. Oh, we better do something about the locked cockpits. You know, we, to some extent, we just have to respond after the event. Like yeah. these things have to happen for us to have the, you know, the wherewithal and the the understanding and the and the political will to deal with them. But it's also only once that once that has happened is that you can start to this problem we've come across so many times of information versus processing, right? Um, which sort of um, you were talking about it just there, Jerry, but it just immediately reminds one of the um, of the library, you know, uh, Borges's yeah. uh, thing. It's, it feels to me very similar. All, all the information's there, but you haven't read it yet. Yeah, and yeah. how could yeah? yeah. Um, so that being the case, right? I think we've given that a good sort of uh, worrying mm. um, <laughs> is um, to to a question we were talking a little bit before about climate crisis what's what are the big gray rhinos out there so this is the question right yeah. what are the big gray gray rhino yeah well no i mean what are the gray rhinos that we should be thinking uh, about well, well i think they're the sort of second order elements around the climate crisis is is the the gray rhino for everything i think the secondary ones around that are things like particularly water Mm. too much of it in the wrong place and not enough of it in other places and I think that's going to be a real challenge 
that's going to drive mass migration. Hmm. Uh, and I'd, at the risk of sounding political, but I mean, the, 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 there are some horrendous things. There are countries that are planning to be underwater and hmm. what they're going to do about it going to other countries and asking to buy pieces of land or occupy pieces of land. That's happening in, uh, certainly in the, in the Pacific. There are islanders now looking at places that they're going to have to move the whole of their, mm. albeit small, population. That is utterly terrifying. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's a, it's a depressingly simple answer, isn't it? Right? It's, that's a big old rhino. So, yeah. Uh, so very, can, it's a very well detailed rhino yeah are we gonna data about it we can nominate our own rhinos so so let's do that um so let's okay so yeah so we've got rhino i have got a rhino my rhino is quite a baby rhino at the moment okay but it's quite well understood so we've got a good picture of it um so um so (laughs) the birth of ai and the transformation that's going to have on literally everything we do it's going to breed a new kind of technological dependence that we've never really had before. So up until we've been in the computer age, and we're, we're dependent on computers, but I think that's going to be 10, 100,000 fold worse kind of dependence with AI. So, you know, we've, uh, until three years ago, say, sort of chat GPT coming online, coming if all the computers disappeared, it would be pretty terrible, but we would probably survive. We'd get away with it and we'd piece it back together because right. a lot of what we did was still done in a very old-fashioned, papery, manual, analog way. It just happened to be done on computers. Give it 10, 20, 50 years' time when we're co- it, we can't do anything for ourselves without an AI being involved. We're stuffed. The whole economy will just disappear overnight and we won't even have basic provisions if computers disappear at that point. I, well, that's Peter's baby rhino. Yeah. My, I, I'm worried a bit more about its dad, which is about to hit us like a train. Go on. Uh, well, like the versions of AI, I think AI has, has, has really just gone over a line where it is now so easy to use and so obviously of, of everyday utility Um that it is going to really smash up uh, the the economy. I don't mean necessarily in the long run for for the worse, but like so much of what we do in the service economy is um you know is is essentially sort of those little knowledge tasks. It's just because a human's a bit better at, at you know um knowing well okay i want this dress to look like that right and so you know you get someone makes that for you or you you know you, uh, it, w- w- the next generation of gpt which is a year or two away is going to be so astonishingly capable at those kinds of knowledge tasks i just don't think we'd be we yeah it's it's too much to think about but mm. so much of what we do, I mean, and I, I, I'm talking about things like um, uh, generate me a podcast, which is about grey rhinos, mm. where it's like four middle aged blokes talking about grey rhinos, uh, make it 40 minutes long, include some nice music at the beginning. It'll just be there. <laughs> right. I mean, that's. Yeah. It's lucky we don't monetize this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, ju- I just think you get ready, guys. 
Yeah. yeah. Get them once, once that once we've been trampled by that one, it'll be time for Peter's. Yeah, well, that'll be Peter's baby event, rhino then, will come Everything along. will disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is really scary because it makes me, you know, worried in a similar fashion. We're not even going to get, I'm not even going to get to my grey rhinos. So, I mean, my one is, um, is connected to demographics um, and uh, climate change as well. So sometimes if I'm sitting watching the news and it's talking about, you know, healthcare crisis in the UK um, and I sort of think about, you know, to myself how difficult it is for me to see a GP at the moment. Well, that's not bad because I'm 50, I'm vaguely all right. But I'm sitting there going, oh, this isn't very good. And then I do start to go, hmm, but I'm getting older at the moment and soon I will need to be seeing a doctor. Grey-haired rhino. Yeah, grey-haired yeah. rhino, yeah. And then every summer when you read about um, X number of people died in, in European heat wave this year, I look at that and go, well, that's not good. And then I go, oh, hold on, I'm getting... That, that that might be me soon. You yeah. know? So that's the two things. But sucks to be an old person in Europe. Right, yeah. Jeez. But maybe I need to chill out about that because I'm going to be, you know, in economic spiral from having lose, lost my sort of, you know, my my mm. content production yeah, gigs sure. to AI anyway. Yeah. Um, what about for you personally? I know we talked maybe more generally, but Jerry, so what's your personal uh Great well, I, uh, I think I've covered mine off, actually. I can do a fairly lightweight one if you want, which yeah. is the, the demise of the internal combustion engine for motor vehicles. Uh, I think when we get to electric vehicles, whilst they are, their acceleration is pretty fine, I, I used to be a fairly keen motorcyclist, and I think the roar of a, of a highly accelerating motorcycle and going around the corner with a sort of slightly squeaky bum moment is amazing and I'm not quite sure even electric vehicles are going to replicate that in the future so I need to I need to face that that risk which I think is going to be around preserving the motorbike I have and perhaps storing petrol in some underground bunker before they ban it yeah <laughs> um what's a known known risk what's a known what are those ones well that called? was uh, a gray rhino the, 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 i think that is known, known. no no the known known, known. Oh, is that, that's that's the elephant in the room oh yes. yeah see i think yeah, what yeah. you've got there is an elephant in the room going off against a, a, a gray rhino yeah yeah because there's a very much a known risk with going around that corner yeah yeah and it's it's the battle of the rhino and the elephant well who would win out of an elephant the, and a rhino do we got any data on that uh, I, I don't know, but I also I've also got a, a I've absolutely got a um, a black swan I can tell you about as well. Oh, go on. Yeah. So it's a. Um... There we go. <laughs> nice. Right. So thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coggill of Aleph, but of course a special thank you to Jerry Smith of CHC Global. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Goodbye.